and I asked uh, in a bulletin board, you know, how many people have you know witnessed a miracle or experienced a miracle in their life, and and uh, person after person were saying uh, that they didn't know of any miracles. We know God that you are a God of miracles, and you use those miracles to encourage us. Use those miracles as a witness to the world, Father, that you are with us as well. And so we ask, um, and you know, people have, have come to the ministry and they've uh, you know, laid out what their what their ailments are and what their petitions for God is. And we ask, Father, that you honor those petitions that that we bring towards you and we bring to you as a group. Uh, we thank you for the you know the power of your Holy Spirit that works in our lives, and we ask that you pour it out upon us. Uh, give us the answers that that we need, Father, and we thank you for your um, your blessings to us, your empathy. As as you know, when Jesus Christ was on Earth, he was healing people directly that was you know standing right before him, and and the the uh, awesomeness and the the power the that um, that that shows, and and again the the heart. The heart of love that that shows is is awesome, and so we ask Father that um, you provide that, and we ask uh, Jesus that you also um, you know pour out a, a blessing upon us to uh, accomplish the, the the miracle of healing in the lives of those that have come before you uh, in faith. So we thank you for this through God, our Healer, the Lamb of God, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, thank you so much, brother. And uh, I understand we had a bit of a technical issue where uh, our stream was not actually being broadcast. We apologize uh, for that, brethren. Um, we did have our brother Warren Lee from Nanaimo, B.C. join us um, for the opening prayer. Um, I think what we'll do, uh, I, that, that was not broadcast. I hope it will be in the recording. Um, but we'll just have an opening prayer now. There were a few announcements that I want to uh, repeat uh, so we'll just have the opening prayer. I'll, I'll go ahead and do that. And we apologize for the, the technical issue. Our Heavenly Father, we, we pause and we come before you now. We thank you, God, for the prayers that just went up for the saints and, and those connected to us by our Pastor Jim. Uh, we thank you, Father, for this opportunity for us to gather together, though virtually. Uh, we thank you for the opportunity for us to pause on this beautiful Sabbath day and give you praise. Uh, we praise you, Father, for what you're doing in the earth. And as our brother uh, Warren, when he gave the opening prayer, although it was not broadcast, we do thank you for his insight and awareness of the chaos and the confusion and the, the lawlessness that is increasing, that the world is descending into all around us. And yet each Sabbath, Father, we can come uh, into your presence and praise your holy name. And we just thank you so much for that. We thank you, Father, for the edification uh, that lies ahead. As we look to hear the message that you've inspired our brother, Pastor Murray, with, we pray, God, that not only uh, that you inspire him uh, in the preparation, but that you'd also inspire him and us in the delivery. We praise you and thank you now. In Jesus' most holy name, amen. So, um, brethren, we did have a uh, hymn. Let, we'll go back and we'll actually have that hymn. It's uh, page number 11, uh, Crown Him With Many Crowns. And some beautiful lyrics, crown him with many crowns.
Beautiful hymn. Thank you uh, for that. And hopefully, brethren, you were able to hear the music, such beautiful music. We will at this time have our scripture reading, and uh, that'll be taken from Revelation 5, verses 11 to 14. So I'll just bring that up on the screen for you. Revelation 5, verses 11 to 14. And the scripture here, we begin in verse 11. And I beheld... And I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain, to receive power, and riches, and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven, and on the earth, and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, heard I saying, Blessing, and honor, and glory, and power be unto him that sits upon the throne, and unto the Lamb for ever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that lives for ever and ever. Amen. Beautiful uh, passage, and obviously that has uh, informed and inspired the main message uh, for today. Uh, just some quick announcements before we get to the main message, and quick announcements, and then we do have an intercessory prayer. Um, first, Wednesday night Bible study. Next week, God willing, we'll be up to Psalm 105. Uh, we may cover 105 and 106, so it will just depend on how much analysis we're going to do of the Psalms versus uh, just uh, a reading with a little bit of interpretation of what uh, the context is for the Psalms. Uh, so Psalm 105, um, 106 is the end of book four of the Psaltery. So whether we reach that next week or the week after, once we finish book four, uh, God willing, we'll go back to uh, Isaiah. So we did second Isaiah. We want to cover first Isaiah. Second Isaiah, some refer to as New Testament Isaiah because it has 27 chapters and the New Testament has 27 books. And first Isaiah, many refer to as Old Testament uh, Isaiah, because it has 39 chapters and there are 39 books in uh, the Old Testament. And there's more of an Old Testament theme in the first part of Isaiah and more of a New Testament theme in the second part of Isaiah. So God willing, we'll, we'll cover the, finish the Psalms, uh, book four of the Psaltery next week or the week after. And then we'll move on to the uh, book of Isaiah. We do have some uh, important news. Our sister Lori, the the wife of uh, Pat Wilcox, uh, we I think many of you know that she's expecting twins. Uh, and uh, this morning we got news that her water broke, so those uh, the birth of those twins is now imminent. Uh, it is a bit early; it's a bit premature for the twins. So the doctor wants to uh, hold them in, keep her, keep them in her womb, uh, so that the, the lungs can develop further. So we ask for your prayers, brethren, um, for uh, their development uh, and everything goes smoothly uh, with that birth. Also, um, a couple of weeks back, right at the beginning of Bible study, I got a a message from uh, one of our brothers, Clay, in America, who uh, had just had uh, uh, his baby was born and uh, shared the name with me, which is Ezzy, and I shared that with all of you uh, because I was getting ready to begin the Bible study, and there's a lot that goes on in in launching the Bible study. Um, I didn't read his announcement carefully enough, and I announced that his son was born. In fact, it's his daughter. So the daughter's name is Ezzy, and her full name, her second name is Salem. Ezzy is after Ezekiel, which means the strength of the Lord. So her full name is Ezzy Salem 
reign, as in God reigns, not not reign from heaven as in water, but reign as in rule. So as you mean, strength of the Lord brings peace, Salem, when God reigns. So this is the Ezi Salem reign. Uh, so please pray for him and his family and this the, this new child that has come into the world. And let's continue to pray for the Wilcox family. And I should mention with um, Pat and Lori Wilcox, uh, they have a private room. Uh, Pat is there with his wife in the room, but he now cannot leave the hospital. If he leaves, they cannot let him back in. So uh, he will be there for the next week, God willing. And kind of a, some great, great family time now, kind of a forced vacation. He has a very strong work ethic, uh, but he has to take the time off now. So please remember them in your prayers. A couple of other updates on the um, prayer list. Uh, first of all, um, we had mentioned um, Dylan Swan, our brother here in uh, Burlington, was suffering from a lot of back pain and uh, asked for prayers. Uh, we did pray for him. He's happy to announce, brethren, that he has a lot of relief uh, from this pain now. So he's very, very grateful for our prayers, and we're grateful to our Father for his mercy. Also, our brother Gary Monks from the U.K. joins us almost weekly, uh, even in our post-sermon discussions. It's quite late over there, but he does join us. Uh, his wife has been suffering from a remarkably high blood pressure. We sought prayers for her. Uh, he's happy to report that her, her blood pressure has come down significantly to what we would consider high normal. Uh, so thank you for your prayers for her. Uh, let's continue to um, pray for her, and we thank God for that. Our brother, uh, Harry Negdegal, uh, he's somebody that's been following us faithfully for years, um, and he is uh, has just lost his wife. So he's recently widowed. He's just lost his wife after decades of marriage, and uh, we saw him at the feast. His wife was ill, uh, suffering from Alzheimer's as well, and uh, just seeing his loyalty to the oath that he took till death do us part. And uh, very, very inspiring to see his loyalty and sense of duty to his wife. Well, she has recently died, and he is now adjusting to life uh, without her. You can imagine how, how difficult that is. And so he thanks us for our prayers, and if we can continue to pray for him. Our sister Margaret uh, from Ottawa uh, had a very, very delicate surgery on her throat. Uh, you can imagine how sensitive that is. Uh, but the surgery went extremely well, and she's now recovering and wants to thank the brethren for prayers, and we will continue uh, to pray for her as well. And then finally, we have our sister Erica uh, from the Kitchener congregation. She has her aunt Zoila, who had uh, a very successful surgery to remove a growth in her stomach. You can imagine how concerning that would have been. Well, that surgery went well, and she's very grateful uh, to the prayers that went up for her. So we'll just take a moment to uh, pray for all of these brethren that have uh, submitted these prayer requests and praise reports, and then we'll have a hymn and then the main message for today, which I'll announce after the prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, we, we pause now, and we just want to thank you, God, for the relationship that we have with you through your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you, God, for your mercy. We thank you, God, that as majestic and as high as you are, uh, you do hear our prayers. You do look down from heaven and you are concerned with us and our, our well-being and our welfare. And we just thank you, God, that we can intercede on behalf of our brethren. So thank you, God, for all of these brethren that have requested prayers. We, we lift them all up to you. We thank you, God, for answered prayer. And we lift our brethren up to you, Father, and just ask for your, your tender mercy uh, to be with them and to help them through the various trials uh, that they are going through. 
Help us all, Father, to to just constantly look to Jesus Christ, no matter what stage or phase of life we're going through. Uh, let him be our anchor. We praise you, Father. We ask your blessing on our brethren now. In Jesus' most holy name, amen. So, brethren, we will have uh, another hymn, and then we'll have the main message for today. Uh, the hymn today is going to be on page, uh, the next hymn is going to be on page uh, 209, When I See the Blood. And then immediately after the hymn, we'll have the main message for today, which is going to be brought to us by our pastor, Pastor Murray Palmatier. And the title of his message is, Worthy is the Lamb. So, Worthy is the Lamb by Pastor Murray Palmatier, which will be brought to us immediately after the next hymn, page 209, When I See the Blood. Sabbath greetings to everyone and thank you for joining us here on this beautiful Sabbath day. It's a little cold where we are here in southern Ontario, but the sun is shining brightly where I am and it is just good to be together uh, before God's magnificent throne, worshiping him together. We thank you for your patience and as we work through the technical difficulties and for sticking around, uh, thank you for uh, uh, Pastor Adrian for uh, pulling everything together while he was, while he was uh, online. 
and uh, just appreciate all that work that goes into there. It uh, typically comes off well, but you, uh, no one really has, unless you've done it before, you don't know all of the technical uh, workings that go on in behind the scenes. And he and Sister Jennifer uh, put put a lot of work into helping this uh, broadcast go out uh, twice a week on the Bible study in the Sabbath. So we thank them for that. I was out for a walk, as I think I mentioned in a few sermons back, I like to walk. And I was out for a walk a few Sabbaths ago and had some praise music playing uh, on my phone while I was walking. And a, a well-known praise song that I'm sure I'm sure you've sung before, and I definitely appreciated the hymns that we sang. The first one in particular, Crown Him With Many Crowns, really relates to the message that we're talking about today. And this particular song that I heard um, in my while I was going for that walk re- really uh, made an impact on me, as, as it typically does, but... When you're out for a walk and in the middle of nature and you're, you're trying to connect with God, uh, the, the song is Worthy is the Lamb. The name of the, that's where the name of the sermon comes from. And you've probably heard that. We were, we were looking, trying to play a, a version of it, but we were in abundance of caution to copyright laws. We weren't sure if we were, um, going to, uh, break any copyright laws. So we, we opted not to. But if you get a chance, if you haven't heard the song, it's called Worthy is the Lamb. Uh, have a listen to, to it later today. And if you have heard it, you're probably very familiar with the words, but rather than sing it for you, because you wouldn't want that, I want to just read a, read a few of the, the lines here from the song, Worthy is the Lamb. It goes like this. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you paid. Bearing all my sin and shame, in love you came and gave amazing grace. Thank you for this love, Lord. Thank you for the nail-pierced hands. Washed me in your cleansing flow. Now all I know is your forgiveness and embrace. Worthy is the Lamb, seated on the throne. Crown you now with many crowns. You reign victorious. High and lifted up, Jesus, Son of God, the darling of heaven, is crucified. Worthy is the Lamb. Very powerful words, very inspiring music, if you have a chance to hear that wonderful piece of music. Worthy is the Lamb. When we praise our God and we sing worship to his Son, our Messiah, the risen Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach to some, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, our High Priest, Jesus the Christ, what a privilege it is to be able to come together or on your own and sing praises to him. And I, I hope as we, as we gather through technology that you take the time to sing, sing together. It's, it's, it's less about what you're hearing and more about what our Father and what Jesus Christ is hearing in heaven when we can overcome the obstacles that we face today. And sing together through the miracle of technology. But consider the meaning of these words. Worthy is the Lamb. Especially as Passover, as we heard, we're 48 days away from Passover. As the Passover season looms on the horizon. He reigns victorious. We're so grateful to have received his amazing grace. And you'll recall a message by Deacon Jan that really delved into what this amazing grace was. 
which is the the ability to forgive what had previously been completely unforgivable, intentional sin. Very powerful, moving words. And they're taken from, as we heard the, in the scripture reading, Revelation chapter 5, which is where I'd like to begin. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 11. Let's go and read this again, where we heard read earlier this afternoon, and where this beautiful song, Worthy as the Lamb, has its roots, right from scripture. Then I looked, verse 11 of Revelation 5, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. What an amazing vision John would have seen that he was able to put pen to paper and preserve for us. John's vision actually takes place in the very throne room of heaven. In his his dream, in his vision, he was taken into that throne room by Jesus Christ himself. And what we see here is every creature everywhere, all, all creatures above and below, rejoice in praise and worship of the Father and the Son. What a, what a scene he must have seen in that vision. We sing songs lauding the worthiness of the Lamb. I, I mentioned one at the beginning, worthy is the Lamb. There are many. There are many praise songs that we, 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 we sing, whether it be our hymns or praise music or spiritual songs. Whether you do that during the service or on your own and on a, a Sabbath starts and you play some music in the background, many, many songs that laud the worthiness of the Messiah. We, hear, we have heard over the course of years and years and years in, in the church messages with that, that cover that topic, some even with that title, Worthy is the Lamb. And it becomes a primary focus at this time of year as we consider the introduction of, of the Passover to the covenant people of God. As we go back thousands of years and rehearse the, the, the Passover at the time of the Exodus, and even further back, and then later on when Christ came, and we, we, we immerse ourselves in, in, in rehearsing these events and studying them and getting prepared for the Passover, which again is 48 days away. But back to the story in the Exodus. As Israel seeks to follow God out of Egypt, they are saved from death by the blood of a lamb. We have studied more times than we can probably count how this points to the saving blood of Christ thousands of years later. But as you read these words here in Revelation, we just read here, and hear the words of the the songs that we sing, and specifically that that song that I, I, I read for you, Worthy is the Lamb. Have you ever asked yourself, worthy for what? Worthy for what? What is the lamb worthy for? Why is it important to know that he is worthy? 
it is great to know that he is worthy. We Just some magnificent words here from John. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. We, 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 words fail us to properly and to honor and glorify God. We do the very best we can. But for what? What is he worthy for? That's the question we're going to ask and God willing answer this afternoon. Worthy is the lamb. For what? The answer may surprise you. I believe the answer is a critical piece to the puzzle as we look forward to the fulfillment of all things and to the return of Jesus Christ. This puzzle I'm referring to has been an ongoing theme here over the last several weeks and months. As the world changes around us, we've been privy to a series of messages this calendar year that is meant to prepare us for what lies ahead. We have heard many, many times in recent weeks how the church must adapt as things change around us. We began the year not that long ago, the calendar year, talking about combating what we will face in 2021 by increasing our appreciation for the body of Christ, for our congregation, and working hard to ensure that it remains healthy, vibrant, unified, and active despite what we face. Bring what may, come what may, we will be active and healthy and vibrant and unified. We then were reminded of the precious knowledge we have in knowing God, in knowing Christ, and in knowing their plan for us. This knowledge should keep us focused and purposeful during tough times. Then as we watched the leadership change, the political leadership of the United States change hands, we were asked, in whom do you trust? This started a series, building on the previous weeks, of what our focus needs to be. We started that week, Deacon Jan gave that message, seeing that it, we require two things. He covered two things that we require, that we need to, our focus needs to be. That is the preaching of the gospel to all nations, and that the end cannot come until this is done. And then he, he added upholding the truth of God, necessary to fulfill the first point that he covered, and a test for the body of Christ as we see this way of life become hated. So preaching the gospel to all nations and upholding the truth of God. Then, over the last two weeks, Pastor Adrian covered a message, a two-part message that was built on the previous weeks by going into incredible detail on what is at stake and the need for us to steel ourselves during these times to truly, really love one another the way God expects us to. We cannot allow changes in the world to infiltrate his body and cause us to turn on one another. The Bible says this will happen, but we should not and don't need to be part of that change. So, as we, as we have pro- progressed over the last number of weeks, preaching the gospel, upholding the truth, and stealing ourselves to love one another. At first glance, as I asked the question, worthy is the lamb for what? It may seem like we're headed off in a new direction. As we answer this question today, 
we'll see that we're simply adding another layer to this fascinating preview of what lies ahead, what the body of Christ should be doing, and how we can come out clean on the other side. So we're in Revelation. Let's spend a few minutes here in John's vision to get the lay of the land, to set the stage for this message. Let's go back to Revelation 1. Revelation chapter 1, the very beginning of this book, of this revelation from Jesus Christ himself. And we'll begin with the first three verses. It's been covered before, and again, there's a detailed uh, multi-week study uh, that is in the archives. And, and do go back, and if you uh, have not heard that, go back and, and, and have a listen. But Revelation 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants. So we see the, the passing down of this revelation from the Father to Christ to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ and to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keeps those things which are written in it. And, and again, we've covered this many times, but it's important to not to forget the, the, the uh, verb structure here is, is, is such that it's those who read and keep reading, those who hear and keep hearing, and those who keep keeping those things which are written in it. So it's, it's, it's continual. For the time is near. This is important to get the context of the book when we study Revelation. This is a preview. This, this, this revelation, this, this book here that is penned for us by John from Christ to let Christ's servants know things that will take place. And we know, having read this, looking back now, we have the benefit of hindsight that it refers to things that will take place shortly before and leading up to the return of Christ and obviously beyond as you get into the final chapters of the book. This is very important to understand. This is for us and gives us reason to read, hear, and keep the things we are about to hear. Keep it in keeping in mind what we, what we talked about, all in the context of upholding the truth, preaching the gospel, and loving one another as we go through this. That's the context. But these things that we read are for his servants at the end time, in the times before leading up to the return of Jesus Christ. We see this in verse 7. Behold, he is coming in with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. This gives us the setting I just talked about, that he is coming back. So here is what we, his servants, need to know in the days leading up to that. So what does John see in his vision? Let's go to verse 12. This vision is about Christ and the church. We see this in verse 12. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet, and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were like were white with, like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. 
His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of death and Hades, of Hades and of death. Write the things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which take place after this. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand, as John introduces all of this, all these symbols, and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. So as we see John and Christ, through John, setting the stage here for this revelation, it is about Christ and the church. Some of this is past, as we see. Some of this is current, and some of it is future. But write it all down, John was told, for his servants at that time to have. Get it all written down. As we proceed, Pastor Adrian covered the set letters to the seven churches Two weeks ago, at the beginning of his message, when he asked what's at stake, he took some time to briefly review those two chapters. Then we come to chapter 4, and John sees a throne. Verse 1, after these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. So we're seeing the what John is John is getting down what he sees in this vision. Immediately, John says, I was in the spirit and behold, a throne set in heaven and one sat on the throne. John sees a throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. And around the throne were 24 thrones. And on the thrones, I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes. And they had crowns of gold on their head, and from the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And as we see here, and if you look ahead, chapter 5 confirms that he is referring to the Father and his throne. So let's continue to read this with this in mind. Before the throne, there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures, full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The seventh living creature was like a calf. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. And we won't take time to delve into too much detail here. That is covered in the studies that are in the archives. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest day or night, say. So they are constantly, when in the presence of the one sitting on the throne, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. That is the praise that they have for the Father, the Almighty God, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures, John continues, give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders, when the living creatures do this, when they shout praises to the Father, 
The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. The Father is worthy of our praise and honor simply because he is God Almighty, simply because he is the creator and the sustainer, and his will supersedes all. And when the, as we see the, the living creatures praise him, the, the 24 elders who have thrones of, thrones of their own fall down before him and give him all praise and honor. The story continues. The vision here continues in chapter 5. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written in uh, scroll written inside and on the back and sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loosen its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. This is interesting. The father is holding in his hand a sealed scroll. And the angels around him are wondering who will open it. They've been waiting a long time, actually. Because of the benefit of hindsight that we have in Scripture, we know what is being referred to here. Hold your place here and let's go back to Daniel 12. Daniel chapter 12. Verse 4. Coming at the end of Daniel's prophecy. But you, Daniel, Daniel 12 and verse 4. You, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge will increase. Then I, Daniel, looked, and there stood two others, one on this river bank and the other on that river, on that river bank. And one said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the, uh, of the river, how long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? How long will this be sealed up? Then I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river when he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever. We just read who that was, the father, that it shall be for a time, times and half a time. And when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, all these things shall be finished. There's going to be a progression of events to the point where God's holy people will be completely shattered. Then will all things be finished. And although I heard, I didn't understand, Daniel said. Then I said, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Many shall be purified, many white and refined, but the wicked shall do wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. Christ and the Father Pictured here, the power of God's people will have been shattered. And we see there will be a clear delineation between the wicked and the wise as these events come to fruition. Daniel wrote this down and the words were sealed up. And Daniel wrote sometime, somewhere around the early 500s BC, so 530 or so BC, thereabouts. But even he was not permitted to understand. We see that in verse 13, the very last verse of the book. But you, 
God says to Daniel, go your way until the end, for you shall rest and will arise to your inheritance at the end of the days. Daniel was told to write this down, but he wouldn't understand it because it would be sealed until the time of the end. We all have jobs to do in his service. Daniel's was to write it down, write this vision down, and to seal it up. Back to Revelation 5. Back to Revelation 5 where we left off. Revelation 5, we'll pick it up in verse 4. So John says, and recall, there was a strong angel proclaiming who was worthy to open the scroll and to loosen its seals. John continues in verse 4, so I wept much because no one was worthy, was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. John feels the anguish of the angels who have been, who will have been waiting at least 2,500 years. If it were to happen right around now, it would be 2,550 or so, thereabouts. So whenever this happens, the, the, whenever the scroll starts to, to, um, become unsealed, will have at least been 2,550 plus years. He feels the anguish of the angels for this scroll to be opened. The angel asked with anticipation, is someone qualified to open this up? It's an important document for the end times. We heard him tell Daniel, who is qualified? When will this document be opened up? When will the scroll be loosened? The seals be loosened on this scroll. Verse 5. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loosen its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Yes, Christ prevailed over Satan. He defeated the adversary. He overcame sin. He shed his blood so that the unforgivable may be forgiven. That the chosen people of God may be kings and priests in service to him. Yes, all of that is true. He is worthy because of that. But that is not the end game. That is not the end game. Far, far from it. Yes, if it's important, it's an important part of it. And we wouldn't be here today without that grace. But it is not the end game. The Father then hands the, the, the previously up until that point sealed scroll, sealed for at least 2,500 years and more, to the risen Christ, who is now worthy to unseal the document. Verse 8. Now when he had taken the scroll, the Lamb had taken the scroll from the one who sat on the throne. The four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. So the redeemed is past. That's what made him worthy. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on earth. After all these years of being sealed up and hidden, he alone 
has been deemed worthy by the Almighty Father to op- to crack open the seals. That is why he's worthy. He's So he's worthy. He became worthy for all that he went through, all that he suffered and died and, and stayed true to God and, sh- and led the way and gave us the example and lived the perfect life of, a, of, an, of an Israelite, of a follower of God, a member, a follower of the covenant, all of those things. But he was worthy to open the seals. That is why the lamb is worthy to open the seals. So what? So he's worthy. We may not have communicated that in this fashion in the past. He's, he's worthy to forgive my sins. He's worthy to, to his shed blood grants me grace and an opportunity to, for eternal life and to become part of the body of Christ. This is just an, an added bit to the story here where he is worthy to open the seals. So what? Why is that important? Why does the scroll need to be opened? The angels and the living creatures were waiting for hundreds of years for someone to be worthy to open what had been sealed over 2,500 years previous to this event. Why does the scroll need to be opened? Revelation 13. We'll take a quick glance into the future so we can get context for this very important piece of information. Revelation 13, beginning in verse 5. And he was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue. This is talking about the beast of the sea. To continue for 42 months. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name. We hear repeatedly in, in the, 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 the studies on the Psalms the importance of the name of God. To blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. And all who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So we often read verse 8, but absent of context, it misses some things. There's a lot going on at this time. When we read this, this quick little note that the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. And it's an important point here as we consider why the scroll needs to be opened. Why does this scroll need to be unsealed and opened? This plan of redemption has been in play from the very beginning of the plans to create mankind. From the very beginning, from the foundation of this world. Let's go back as far as we can go to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3 and in verse 14. After the serpent convinced Eve, who then convinced her husband, the woman actually, she wasn't uh, Eve at this point, she was the woman. The name Eve comes later. Then convinced her husband to follow We won't cover that. You can read that yourself. But this is what the Lord God said to the serpent in verse 14. Because you have done this to the adversary, he says, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. 
He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the adversary, God says, your authority, which man ceded to you, will be yours, but it will be temporary. And there will come a time when her seed comes and will crush your head, will crush your head. Verse 24, interesting, as God, as uh, God and, and Christ, the one who became Christ in discussion, ejected man from the garden, said angels, we read in verse 24, he drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Even the entrance to the garden of Eden and access to the tree of life was sealed up too. Access was removed. Angels were guarding the entrance and they could not go back into paradise or to partake of the tree of life at that point. Exodus 19. Again, why does the scroll need to be opened? Exodus 19. Fulfilling his promises to Abraham. And you can, we don't have time to go back there, but you can begin that, reading that around Genesis 12. Again, very important as we lead up to the Passover in 48 days. But in fulfilling his promises to Abraham, which again, those promises begin being conveyed in Genesis chapter 12. He began here, working with a group of people toward an end goal of making them kings and priests, territorial and spiritual leaders. And we see this here in Exodus 19. Moses went up in verse 3 to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice, And keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. You shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So we go all the way back to man being shunned out and sealed out of the Garden of Eden. Access to the tree of life is eliminated for man. God then begins a covenant to fulfill a promise he made in his judgment against the adversary, that her seed will come and crush your head. He then begins to work with a group of people here to make them a holy nation through whom he can can, uh, uh, convey his covenant to all of mankind. They can come in to covenant with God through his people, the people of Israel. After 40 years, Deuteronomy 30, all indications were clear to Moses that this would be a work in progress. This would be a work in progress. Deuteronomy 30, verse 1. It shall come to pass when all these things, and we've, this has been covered in many, many sermons, when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you, when they will come upon you, it was pretty clear that this wasn't going to be an easy run. That This would be a work in progress, that they would earn some covenant cursings, which I have set before you. When you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God drives you, and you return to the Lord your God and obey his voice according to all that I command you today, you and your children, 
So we're, so we're, Moses is prophesying here what will happen to his people, that they will turn their backs, but there will come a time in the future when they will come back to God and obey his voice according to all that I command you today, you and your children, with all your heart and with all your soul, that the Lord your God will bring you back from captivity and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. If any of you are driven out to the farthest parts under heaven, from there the Lord your God will gather you. And from there he will bring you. Then the Lord your God will bring you to the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it. He will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, that you may live. Beautiful promises come after some of the hardships that Moses prophesied here. There will come a time when they will come back to God and have their hearts turned to him, and they will love and will obey him. God promises that. God God prophesies that here through Moses. Then something interesting. God says something interesting through Moses. Verse 7. Also, the Lord your God will put all these curses on your enemies and on those who hate you, who persecuted you. These curses that my people will have to go through, which we read about in verse 1, will be flipped and put on the enemies of God's people who seek to do them harm. And this will cause, as we, as you continue to read down this account through verse 10, and you can do that on your own time, this will cause them once again to obey and love God. But these curses these, these, the, that, that Israel will have earned, because God is faithful to covenant, they will be flipped. And will be cast upon those who are actually doing the persecuting of God's people. This is all part of the storyline from begins in Genesis 3. But why this scroll needs to be opened. Why Christ was worthy. Why it was important. Why the angels and the living creatures were, were looking for someone worthy to open, to crack open these seals. Then we move forward to 1 Kings 8. Again, as we time and time again have seen that this thread of the story is from front to back in the pages of scripture. First Kings 8, we come to Solomon's prayer of dedication for the temple. After all those years that he spent building this temple to God that his father David wanted to build, but God, because David was not a man of peace, David was a man of war, a faithful man, but a man of war, God determined that it was Solomon that would build the temple. And included in his prayer of dedication are some profound prophecies. Verse 23. We'll just, we'll just go through here and I encourage you to read the entire prayer, but we'll just pick a few verses out here. We'll begin in verse 23. And he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God in heaven above or on earth below like you. And there were many religions and, and many gods that, that people, people followed. False gods and gods that clearly don't exist but are, are magnified after the adversary. There is no God, O Lord God of Israel, anywhere, above, below, on earth, wherever, who is like you, who keep covenant and mercy with your servants, who walk before you with all their hearts. You have kept what you promised your servant David, my father. You have both spoken with your mouth and fulfilled it with your hand as it is this day. 
Therefore, Lord God of Israel, now keep what you promised your servant David, my father, saying, you shall not fail to have a man sit before me on the throne of Israel, only if your sons take heed to their way, that they walk before me as you have walked before me. And now I pray, O God of Israel, let your word come true, which it will, because God keeps covenant. He already said so in verse 23, which you have spoken to your servant, David, my father. So this sets the stage for Solomon for the rest of his prayer. He's praying to the God who keeps covenant because no other God keeps covenant. That is what sets God apart here. And we read that in verse 23. He keeps his promise. He keeps his word. Verse 31. When anyone sins against his neighbor and is forced to take an oath, and comes and takes an oath before your altar in this temple. Then hear in heaven and act and judge your servants, condemning the wicked, bringing his way on his head, and justifying the righteous by giving him according to his righteousness. So again, looking to God to judge, to be the righteous judge. Now here's where the, the some interesting prophecies come into play here. Solomon is actually in his prayer prophesying, whether he knows it or not. When your people are defeated before an enemy, Because they have sinned against you. When they are forced to go into war. Because they have sinned. Verse 35. When the rains, when the heavens are shut up and there is no rain. Because they have sinned against you. When there is famine. Because they have sinned against you. Verse 37. When there is a famine in the land or pestilence or blight, or mildew, locusts, or grasshoppers, when their enemy besieges them in the cities of their land, whatever plague or whatever sickness there is, whatever prayer, whatever supplication is made by anyone or by all your people Israel, when each one knows the plague of his own heart, and that's where the that's where sin originates, is in the heart. And as we see here in the prayer of Solomon, when when your people are forced to go through war because of sin, when they are forced to go through famine because of sin, when they are forced to go through pestilence because of sin. Does any of this sound familiar? The the four horsemen, perhaps? Verse 46. This is where it all boils down to. When they sin against you and you become angry with them and deliver them to the enemy and they take them captive to the land of the enemy far or near, God will, this is where God is allowing his enemy, the people that don't follow him, to have a part in the redemption of his people. We've heard this covered many times. Yet, verse 47, when they come to themselves in the land where they carried captive and repent, and make supplication to you in the land of those who took them captive, saying, we have sinned and done wrong, we have committed wickedness. And when they return to you with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their enemies, who led them away captive and pray to you towards the land, their land, which you gave to their fathers, the city which you have chosen, that the temple which I have built for your name. Then hear in heaven your dwelling place their prayer and their supplication and maintain their cause and forgive your people who have sinned against you. All signs pointed to the need for God's people to go through massive problems and trials because of their sin. They needed to be driven to their knees to the point where they would 
come before God and truly, truly repent. That is the key. And we're starting to see all this play out and lead up to this, this scroll that has been sealed. With this as background now, let's go to Daniel. We certainly don't have time to go into too much detail here in Daniel. But let's read a few verses here in Daniel to see what was sealed up in the scroll. Daniel 2. We'll go as quickly as we can here. Daniel chapter 2. What was sealed up in the scroll? And there is a a Bible study by Pastor Bill Watson being uh, broadcast on Thursdays that covers the book of Daniel. We'll we'll just read a few verses here. Daniel chapter 2. Verse 26, the king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, the secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare to the king. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and your and the visions of, of your head upon your bed were these. And then Daniel proceeds to tell him what God was revealing about what will come in the latter days. Verse 44. After he goes through the, the various kingdoms that will arise through, through, through history. And he has four here. And in those days, in the days of the kings of the God of heaven, verse 44, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, all of those previous kingdoms, the great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. And this is part of what Daniel wrote down that we, he later had to roll up into the scroll and seal it. Daniel 7, just taking a few verses here. Daniel 7, verse 7. After this, again, continuing the, the various visions of the beasts, these, these kingdom powers. After this, I saw in the night visions and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. And it had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces, and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I was considering the horns, and there was another, a little one, coming up from among them, before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. And there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking pompous words. Verse 15, as Daniel writes all of these things down, I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit within my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. I'm writing all this down. I'm obeying God as he's revealing these things through through visions. But this is this these visions are scaring me. I, I'm troubled. I, 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 can't, I don't have an interpretation for this. I don't know what's happening, but I have to be faithful to what he's asked me to do. And that's simply to write this down. But I am so grieved at what I'm seeing, what I'm what I'm what I'm seeing in these visions. Verse 19, then I wished to know the truth about the fourth beast. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? 
which was exceedingly different from all the others, exceedingly dreadful with its teeth of iron and nails of bronze, which devoured broken pieces and trampled the residue with its feet. Verse 21, I was watching, and the same horn was making war against the saints. Wow, this is, this are some, some things that God's people are going to have to go through, prevailing against them until the ancient of days came, and a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High. Judgment. It's talking about Christ coming back and exercising judgment, which is what has been talked about right from the very beginning. And the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. They will take possession of what God has rightfully given his his people. We continue. The fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which shall be different from all other kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, trample it, and break it into pieces. The ten horns are ten kings who shall arise from this kingdom, and another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the first ones, and shall shall subdue three kings. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and law, which cannot be changed. They shall intend to, but it can't be done. And that saint shall be given into his hand for times and time and half a time. And we we are starting to feel the effects of those who are against the saints of God, having law changed around them, having time changed around them. We certainly don't have time to go into that, but you can imagine what is going through your mind as you consider the possibilities. But the court, verse 26, shall be seated, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and destroy forever. Then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people the saints of the Most High. After all of this trouble, after all of this persecution, it shall be given to the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. This is the end of my account, here Daniel says. And as for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly troubled me, and my countenance changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. It wasn't for him to know why, and even though he was troubled, he stayed faithful to his job, and that was to simply document this down. Then we come to Jan, Daniel 12. Daniel 12, verse 1. At that time, Michael shall stand, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered. Once it gets to that very point that it has been the worst of all history, at that time your people shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book, we read about that in Revelation 13, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise, we remember even in uh, Revelation, it talked about the delineation between the wise and the wicked. The wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever. This is what then, where we read verses 4 through 13, where Daniel was then told to seal this up, roll up the scroll, and seal it. And even through his, his inner agony and confusion as to what he was writing down, He was told not to worry. You've done your job. Go rest. Because there will come a time at the end when things will be revealed. That's where we start getting into 
why the lamb was worthy to loosen the seals. Now, as a sideline here, Revelation 17, John, who was given, who it was given to reveal more to the servants of God, because Daniel was only given a portion he didn't understand, made known that there were seven kingdoms. You can read that in Revelation 17, with the great beast coming out of the seventh. So it was actually an eighth beast, but it was really seven part two. But for time's sake, that's a completely other conversation. But we see more revealed to John in Revelation by Christ himself, because that is for the time at the end. It's where it's where Daniel, the confusion in Daniel, the things that even Daniel himself couldn't understand, start to be laid out and understood. Now back with all of this in mind to the opening of the scroll. And remember what we read about in First Kings. For those, for your people who need to go through war because of the sin that they committed. For your people who need to go through famine because of the sin that they committed. For your people who need to go through pestilence because of the sin they committed. Let's now go to Revelation 6. Revelation chapter 6. Verse chapter 5 ends with the the Son of Man taking the scroll from the Father and being uh, told that he is now worthy to open it. And all praise and honor goes to him and his Father. Verse chapter 6, verse 1, Now I saw when the lamb, lamb opened one of the seals, peeled the first one back. And I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. We've been waiting for 2,550 years or more. Come and see. And I be looked and behold a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given, and he went forth, conquering and to conquer. Remember what we read back in, in 1 Kings 8 that, and, and, and in Daniel, where God's people would need to be conquered, would need to be under heavy trial. But there was a purpose for that. Verse 3, he opened the second seal. And another, verse 4, another horse, fiery red one out. It was granted to him who sat on it to take peace from the earth and that people should kill one another. My people need to go through war because they sinned. Chapter verse five. I heard that I opened the third seal and behold, a black horse who sat on it with a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius and do not harden the oil and the wine. Food would be scarce this time. If my, if, your, if my people, your people, Father, need to go through famine because of the sins they committed so that they can come to repentance. Four, widespread death on the earth, pestilence, disease. The cry of the martyrs, the fifth seal. I saw under the souls of the earth, verse nine, those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony they held. So not only did they have to go through war, some went through pestilence, some went through famine. Some will need to die for standing up for truth. Remember we heard a few weeks ago, uphold the truth and preach the gospel. That is part of our mission, part of what is required in, the, in these end times. Some will here be slain for that. Verse 12, cosmic to the sixth seal. Behold, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth and the moon became like blood. And all of these cosmic disturbances happened. Verse 15, and the kings of the earth the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men. Every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves 
and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand. As the seals, which have been under lock and key for thousands of years, multiple millennia, finally are elucent. We see that it is the wrath of the Lamb that comes forth. And it is the wrath against the people that have put his people through these things. So we see the kings of the earth, the great men, all of those that are persecuting his people, that are causing the scarcity, causing the war, causing the famine, causing the, 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 the martyrdom. They finally get their comeuppance. Because the script is being flipped, just as God promised through Moses back in Deuteronomy. Verse, chapter 8. The seventh seal. Verse 1. There was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven great trumpets. Then another angel having a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. This is all coming from heaven. The seals are opening, revealing the wrath of God. Fast forward. And again, we're not here to break down Revelation here. There's that the series of studies does that very well. Chapter 11, verse 15. Recall what Daniel saw about the great kingdom being carved out of the mountain. Recall what God told the serpent in the garden. Verse 15. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshipped God, worshipped the Father and Christ. But here, talking about the Father, we give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was and who is to come, because you have taken your great power and reigned. The nations were angry. And your wrath has come and the time of the dead that they should be judged, that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints and those who fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. The script will be flipped and those who cause persecution will finally pay for their evil. Then the temple of God was opened in heaven and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple and there were lightnings, noises, thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. Even this seems to some future insight meant to encourage the people of God through what is about to be revealed next. So as as Christ uses this revelation to reveal to his servants some of the the tough times that will follow as the scroll gets, gets loosened, he's also encouraging his people to what will come next. Because there's still going to be some tough times that are, are coming, and we see this. Chapter 12 and verse 7. War broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. and The dragon and his, his angels fought, but they didn't prevail. 
nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. Verse 10, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, he accused them before our God day and night has been cast down, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. By the mercy and the, the power of Jesus Christ, his saints overcame the adversary. And by the word of their testimony, through their obedience, remember what we read about in the, the fifth seal with the martyrs, and they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth, for the devil has come down to you. Having, having great wrath because he knows he has but a short time. Tough times are coming. These are being revealed. And it is the peeling back of this, of this rule, which everybody has been waiting for it for over 2,500 years when this begins. But it reveals very tough times ahead for God's people. But then even times that we can't even begin to imagine are so great on the other side of that short time. Verse 13, when the dragon saw that he'd been cast down to earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place, which is nourished for time, times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. And we don't need to to get off into that right now. The serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman. And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the, the flood, which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman. And he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, with the church, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Christ. This is what the lamb has been was worthy to reveal. He was worthy to reveal all of the trouble that is coming. And then all of the glory that is on the other side of that trouble. Verse chapter 18. And after these things, verse 1, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority. And the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, a cage for every clean and hate, unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of her wrath, of her fornication. They've all been mixed up into the disgusting filth that that this that the adversary has has invoked upon everyone, the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. They're all in, involved in this in in this evil sin. And the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her glory. And I heard another voice from heaven. Again, this all being revealed. Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins. That is the message to his people. Come out of this filth. Make sure you are washed lest you receive of her plagues. The plagues are coming. God has promised in his covenant that there will be cursings to people who who sin and who do not follow him. Come out of that sin, please. He, he's, they're being begged. So you do not have to have to receive the promises of the cursings. For her sins have reached to heaven as God has remembered her iniquities. Then we read the rest of the book to find out that God's plan comes to complete and total fruition. Not a shred is left undone. This is what the lamb is worthy to do. This is why the needs of the body change. This is why how we serve and how we preach in the coming years may not be how we served and how we preached in the past. 
because times change. Because at some point, the seals will be open. And it will be long past the, the mission of the church for what it has been for the last 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years. The needs of the body change. The needs of the blinded covenant people change. And the usefulness of the non-believers changes too when the script flips. Remember the two messages on the great exchange. This was back around the Feast of Trumpets of last year. Knowing where we fit in the narrative, knowing who the players are, and knowing how the story is to unfold. That great exchange that Pastor Adrian went through in two messages. This all matters because the worthy lamb is actually going to start unveiling and revealing these times through the through the loosening of the seals. That is what he was worthy to do. So when we praise his mighty name and call this lamb worthy, it is so much more than simply reveal or forgiving our sins and his shed blood. That made him worthy to show us all that is on the horizon. And we must proclaim that. We wouldn't be doing our jobs if we didn't. Remember the, the martyrs that did not shy away from this. If we find if we find ourselves, whoever find themselves in the body at the time that these these seals start to be revealed, it is incumbent upon them to shout from the mountaintops. It may not be us. It may be future generations. But we must be ready for when the seals are loosened, when the worthy lamb receives that scroll. There's a lot of of stuff we're going to have to encourage and love each other through so that we can make it through these times. Some closing thoughts from some scriptures as we wind this down. Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61. Christ quotes this in the temple in Luke 4 when he opens up the scroll of Isaiah. Beginning in verse 1. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's what Christ quoted from Isaiah here in Luke chapter 4. Christ fulfilled this up to, in part, this proclaiming of the acceptable year of the Lord. Proclaimed the year of the Lord, certainly didn't didn't uh, go into, into when it would be, but he certainly did proclaim it. The rest is still to come. The rest is this, and the day of vengeance, to proclaim the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort those who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. All of these things are what is to come. Why? Verse 8, for I, the Lord, love justice. We call God the, you know, his righteous judgment. Do we know what we're saying when we, when we, when we revere him that way? And are we on the right side so we do not suffer the wrath? That, those are important questions for his people. I hate robbery for burnt offerings. I will direct their work in truth and will make them, and will make with them an everlasting covenant. Their descendants shall be known among the Gentiles and their offspring among the people and all who see them shall acknowledge them. 
that they are the posterity whom the Lord has blessed. This is what is to come. And it begins with the day of vengeance of our God. Because it is that vengeance, the opening of that first seal, that begins all of what is to come, that ultimately leads to peace and joy on earth, with Christ ruling, with the Father descending, with the new Jerusalem here. But all of this has to come first. And the purpose of Revelation is so that his people know, so we're not caught unaware, so we're not caught by surprise. It is a blessing to understand what is coming. Jeremiah 5, just a couple of more verses here. Jeremiah 5. In the opening chapters of Jeremiah, we see a prophet of God coming to the sad realization of the plight of his people. Very sad realization Jeremiah came to. They have failed to hear the warnings of previous prophets. They have failed to heed the example of their brother tribes who fell victim to the Assyrians. The southern kingdom of Judah would soon receive the promised cursings for their sinful behavior. And Jeremiah would be forced, even in his faithful obedience, to endure the same hardships. He got it. He understood. And yet he still had to endure similar hardships. But there was a job to do. Verse 18. And we could... Read all of the first chapters of, of, of the first five chapters of, of Jeremiah, but we'll focus in here on chapter five, verse 18. Nevertheless, in those days, says the Lord, I will not make a complete end of you because I made a covenant and a promise. And it will be when you say, why does the Lord our God do all these things to us that you shall answer them? And just as you have forsaken me and served foreign gods in your land, so you shall serve aliens in a land that is not yours. When Jeremiah would be asked, why is God doing this to us? You need to answer them, God says. Is there a connection here for the saints and the end time when this, when the events will come and the, and the seals will start to be loosened and people say, why war? Why pestilence? Why is God doing this? Well, we have the stamina to say why. We have the courage to say why. Jeremiah had to face that realization. Declare this in the house of Judah and proclaim in the house of Jacob and proclaim it in Judah, saying, Hear this now, O foolish people without understanding, who have eyes and see not, who have ears and hear not. Do you not fear me, says the Lord? Will you not tremble at my presence? Who have placed the sand as the bound of the sea by a perpetual decree that it cannot pass beyond it. We know what that's referring to. And again, just to save time here. Dropping down to verse 24. They do not say in their heart, let us now fear the Lord our God, who gives rain, both the former and the latter in its season. He reserves for us the appointed weeks of harvest. Your iniquities, to his people, your iniquities have turned these things away. And your sins have withheld good from you. I wanted to give you this. I've been promising. You, you hear all about it from all the way back to the beginning. I wanted to give you these good things. And your sins have withheld these from you. For among my people are found wicked men. Jeremiah had to declare that to the people. Will we have the courage when the when those seals start to break? If we find ourselves serving God at that time, will we have the courage to say those very things. My people are sinning, and this is the reason for the famine, the war, the pestilence, the martyrdom. Isaiah 58 will end there. Isaiah 58. Verse 1, very well-known passage, a clear admonition 
that can properly be applied to today. Cry aloud and spare not. Lift your voice like a trumpet and tell my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. Meant for the time then, but clearly, as as Pastor Adrian even talked about in the announcements, this is part of the second Isaiah, which has some New Testament implications here, some apostolic writing implications. Tell the my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sin. But the context for this, again, context, 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 goes back to chapter 57, beginning in verse 16. And we know this is God speaking because he starts speaking in chapter 56, verse 1. And the Lord says, you can check that for yourself. Verse 16, the context of this, I will not contend forever, nor will I always be angry. For the spirit would fail before me and the souls which I have made for the iniquity of his covetousness. I was angry and struck him. I hid and was angry and he went on backsliding in the way of his heart. And I have seen his ways and will heal him. And I will also lead him and restore comforts to him and to his mourners. I create the fruit of the lips, peace, peace to him who is afar off and to him who is near, says the Lord, and I will heal him. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up in mire dirt. My people will repent and I will forgive and I will heal and I'll make things all good. But there's a wickedness that simply won't repent. And there is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. It is that message that he then says, cry aloud and spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet and tell my people their transgression. And tell my people, tell the house of Jacob their sins. This is why we cry aloud. This is why. You may find in your experience the body of Christ struggling with its mission. Some are hesitant to take up the cause because of the pressure from without not to rock the boat. Some are uncomfortable with those who take up the cause to warn. This is why it is incumbent upon us to love one another and be patient with one another through this. So that as many as are possible will come to see the realities of the day. This is why we preach the gospel. This is why we uphold the truth of God. And this is why we must steel ourselves during these times to truly, truly love one another. Because after all of those years of waiting, there's finally someone worthy enough to open the seals. The seals that pronounce judgment on those who disobey God. Seals that beg for the repentance of the covenant people. And seals that will usher in the next phases of God's plan. So that Christ can take his rightful place as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Yes, the Lamb overcame sin. Yes, the Lamb died a torturous, torturous death. Yes, he shed blood for the forgiveness of sins. He and the Father are to be praised for all eternity for that grace. They are both worthy of our undying love, devotion, and obedience. But the lamb is worthy to open the seals of the scroll. And we as end time servants of God are so very blessed to understand why.
Thank you, brother. What a what a profound message. What what a really, brethren, what a profound and powerful message. And I know that many of you got it. I saw the the comments uh, on YouTube. We apologize that we're not able to stream to Facebook at this time. And we also have trouble uh, streaming to our own site uh, just because of the delay in going live. But uh, we did see quite a few of you did uh, realize that we were broadcasting live on YouTube. Uh, thank you so much for that. And thank you, Pastor Murray. Uh, for the digging, for allowing God to use you in this way, uh, to open up these scriptures and help us understand uh, why he's worthy and what he's worthy for, and, and what are the implications of his worthiness. And, and I just love that, and, and being able to teach all of this in the context of God being faithful to his covenant. What an amazing message, and it's just God is going to give us everything we need, brethren, uh, to get through the times ahead. We will face anything and everything. Uh, because of what God will reveal to us, and we'll go through whatever we have to go through, knowing that we are we are about bringing the glory to God's name, and that in fact will uh, be the the closing hymn. We're going to close on page number three. All hail the power of Jesus' name. First, we'll close with a word of prayer. And thanks so much for joining us, brethren. And I should mention I should have mentioned it in the announcement yesterday. We are uh, postponing our social, our virtual social. Uh, we're going to do it tomorrow. Just conflicted with schedules. Um, We're going to do it two weeks from tomorrow, and I know uh, many of you have already indicated that you'll be joining us. We'll be looking forward to that. And again, anybody else, just reach out to us, uh, uh, info at cgiburlington.org would probably be the best way to let us know you'd like to join us, info at cgiburlington.org. Just a great way for us to get to know you and you for you to get to know us, as uh, Pastor Murray mentioned in his message. This is the time for us to come together, deeply love one another, and do the work that lies ahead before us. We'll close with a uh, word of prayer, and then we'll turn to the hymn on page three, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord God Almighty. We praise you. We just thank you so much, Father. We just thank you for not just your word, but your living word, that you continue to open it up. You continue to uh, disclose its contents to us. We just thank you, Father, for how you've worked with our brother, Pastor Murray, uh, to help us understand this question of what, what is the Lamb worthy for and why, why, what are the implications of opening these seals? We just thank you, Father, and we know that very, very difficult times lie ahead, uh, but we just thank you for what it all means and how these promises that you have made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the fathers, the patriarchs, how despite the weakness of Israel, despite their weakness and even treachery, you are faithful to the covenant. And ultimately, the prophecies, just as you gave them to Moses, will be fulfilled. Just as you gave them to Daniel will be revealed. And we just thank you, Father, for the small part that we can play in all of this. And just pray that you'll continue to to wash us, Father, in the blood of Christ and continue to educate us and conform us to his mind. We praise you. We ask your blessing and dismissal now. In Jesus' most holy name, amen.